Hello, everybody. Welcome to, or welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And my name is Ethan. I'm the other of your hosts. And this week we will be discussing episode six of Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. This is directed by Andy Armaganian, who interestingly has experience in the DC television universe known as the Arrowverse. Uh, on Stargirl, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so that's kind of neat, you know, a little genre action there. Then we've got Robin Wasserman, who is the novelist who uh, wrote on the last episode also. And then Bill Wolkoff, who in his credits has Star Wars Rebels, a show that I that really love. love. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, but the other interesting fact is the director also has worked on MacGyver. So they're bringing back the MacGyver, uh, you know, off the bench of MacGyver. Come. It seems to me that this show has... The writers of the show seem to have a pretty decent pedigree of other shows that they've worked on, right? Like nothing, it doesn't seem like anything too, as you would say, trashy, right? I mean, a lot of, lot, of than, lot of genre shows, right? Yeah, it's much better than what we were seeing on some of the other shows. Yeah. The other New York shows. Well, there was that one writer, I think, was it last week or week before last, who wrote on For All Mankind, mm-hmm. which is a show that I love. And a Ronald D. Moore and show. And a Ronald D. Moore show, exactly. So, um, quick side note, if anybody, season three is out now, but if anybody has not watched that show, it's on Apple TV plus the first season right now is free. It's a, it's a, I think one of the best sci-fi shows in decades. I love it. It's great. I have not watched it, but I want to. Well, as a history teacher and history nerd, I mean, I think you would enjoy it. I think so. Yeah. Now this new episode of strange new worlds, it was, it's funny when you were reading the title to me. It reminded me of how much it sounds like an original series episode. Mm-hmm. I, Im- I immediately thought of "For the World Is Hollow" and I have touched the sky. Like it has one of those mm-hmm. classic let TOS. This be your type. last battlefield. Yes, let this be your last battlefield. Wherever it has a long phrase. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, this is a sentence. The interesting thing. So I did a search for it, and I uh, did only you know I made the dates before this episode would have been mentioned to see if it was a quote. And it doesn't seem to be, as much as it sounds like it is. Yeah, the original series titles, I think some of them were lifted from quotes that they were like, you know, kind of paraphrased quotes or a play on words. So some of them, yeah. Mm, or Shakespeare. Shakespeare, or... yeah, yeah. So yeah, nothing here. But this but. was a, uh, this. so we're now officially past the halfway point of season one. We're now into the last five episodes which just makes me so sad because this has just been a fantastic season so far but this was i really so i watched this one a couple of times as we always do when we uh, get ready to do this but i liked this one in how it wrestled with the themes that it decided to tackle because i it just didn't occur to me until about the third episode but there's a Voyager episode in season two. The name of it's called Innocence. And it has a very similar plot. Also involves children, not just one singular child. But it involves sort of a misunderstanding and sort of Voyager not fully getting what it is. Like this is part of our this is part of our culture. This is this is part of our these are part of our beliefs. And Captain Janeway gets kind of interferes, but it's all through sort of a misunderstanding. And it ended with a very sort of interesting, I won't sort of reveal reveal what it is, but the theme is still kind of the same, right? It's all about respecting other other people's traditions and, you know, embracing or sort of realizing differences, which I think is something that we really need today, right? So I thought it was a very timely theme for the show to tackle. So it sounds like you're pro child sacrifice. I'm not pro. No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Um, 
you know, I, this isn't something that I feel like enough Trek has really wrestled with recently, which is just, you know, respecting. We may perceive it as wrong, but respecting other people's beliefs, respecting other cultures, traditions, and knowing when right. to not get involved. But I think as you pointed out to me when we were initially discussing it, there was a very clever way that they did get involved in this. Oh, yes. Because they used this loophole that the Enterprise was fired upon. Right. But beyond that, that investigation, they got very, very involved. I think the interesting question that this raises is, like you said, it's good to respect other cultures and their beliefs. But what if it's... Are there things where you can't anymore? Yeah, see, that's that's one of the big differences. I mean, in this Voyager episode, when we find out what it is, Janeway's like, I'm so sorry, and I, apolo- you know, I apologize for misunderstanding, and then it's all sort of said and done. But, I think we're apologizing. Yeah, in this one, because that, that, I, I like, that's a question that I like them sort of wrestling with, right? Yes, we cannot get involved. We have to respect other people's cultures, but look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, like mm-hmm. you, you know, you I can't get involved because my where I come from, we have to respect that. But that doesn't mean that I can't kind of be affected by this crazy shit that I've just witnessed. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I'm glad we're getting straight into the heavier part. Yeah. Because I do find one part of this very fascinating. Pike was very dismissive. Actually, he was dismissive of almost everyone in this episode, weirdly. This is not the Pike we've seen. Something's going on. Um, But he dismisses Alora's explanation that, um, let's see, without the Joris, the Jalus will fall out of the sky if the servant does not ascend. So Pike is super dismissive. And he's like, yeah, maybe that's symbolically, but that's not going to happen. Now, here's the strange thing. Didn't he just encounter the Comet people? And wasn't he skeptical that their beliefs were stupid and dismissed them and then found out? And then at the end has this great realization. Oh, wow, maybe actually there was something to that. Now, here he is faced with a similar situation, and he, he hasn't learned a lesson. So that's too bad. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, because, yeah, the question he poses to her, he says, all of this, what he points out, he says, he says, all of this, everything you have is because of what you're doing to a child. And, but I think what's even more interesting is that the people doing this also don't really know why they have to be doing this. They just, it's just how it's been done. And they don't question why we do it this way. It just, that's just how it is. Right. And, well, some people do, but I guess they had to leave the planet. They had to leave the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, too, that Spock wasn't around. Because if Spock heard it, I think he would say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Yeah. Because if it's true that he's keeping the planet going, then I think for Spock that would be game over. You know, what I kind of wish this episode did was because I, I liked the I, I, I really liked that aspect of it, how you had those people who left because they didn't like what was going on. But I, I kind of wanted them to get a little bit more into that. Like maybe I know we had the you know, the father was there and that was a son, but where's the mediating between the two sides, right? Show me do you know what I mean? Like, can we, can we, can I learn a little bit more about the people on the opposing side so Pike can sort of see both sides of it evenly? Right now, we're only hearing about it from like one person, right? Right. But, they were just one. The that colony was just one sort of factor in the mystery. Right. So I kind of, I, I wanted them. I was hoping they could have expanded on that a little bit more, so I could make, so you could maybe. I just felt like their side of it wasn't strong it was still a good story but i just felt like their side of it wasn't as strong wasn't strong enough to see it as an opposing side so i wanted to kind of see it done on a more even keel mm. kind of and like um sorry remember in uh uh last season on discovery the the um uh, was it people of earth it was when earth had the dispute with uh titan 
and you find out they're just the same people and they kind of mediated that and we were like wow like i want if they could have done something not exactly but something you know in a similar vein anyway sorry to, I cut you off. that i did like yeah about how they did it was that pike couldn't he couldn't do it he couldn't he couldn't get everything he wanted right he was he failed in a way yeah it's interesting by succeeding in what he thought he was doing he failed because if not for their great investigation the the um the first servant's father likely would have gotten away with it and gotten him off planet right so interesting by following their orders they helped to make this happen yeah which maybe was good we don't really know because we we don't we can't evaluate whether or not it actually helps the planet but it certainly seems to be doing something yeah, I mean, I for me watching this episode, I thought f- upon first viewing, I felt that most of it kind of felt very sort of middle of the road. It wasn't there wasn't I did not, did nothing about it seemed especially remarkable to me until and I thought the last kind of like 15 minutes really I don't want to say saved the episode, but I think made it 10 times more compelling. Once all of that is kind of uncovered, right? absolutely. Yeah, I love that feeling when we because we were very well duped, right? Because we thought, oh, this is great, they got him back, and I, I thought it was going to be a storyline that I think we've seen before, right? In Star Trek, where it was just <clears throat> Aloris was trying to kill the kid or kidnap him because mm. I don't know, power grab or you know, right. some kind of more standard thing, but. Um, but she was being shady. It was just she was being shady to sort of hide what was actually going on. Right. But even so, I thought that, that was great because once she and Pike had their f- little uh, sexy time, I thought, oh, she's got to be the villain here. This is going to be perfect because right. She was very, very suspicious at the beginning of the investigation. Um, you knew she was hiding something because first off, the old friend is always someone that right um, is right. involved. Yep. Her story about what happened in the kidnapping was a little too perfect. She seemed to mm-hmm. under know everything that happened. Yeah. She said, oh, there's no need for an investigation. I was like, that's the biggest red flag. Yeah. yeah. She insisted that she join the investigation. And then when Spock finds the, the helmet, the, the brain dampener helmet, yeah. she's super suspicious when she says, no, I don't know what that is. See, so yeah, all pointing to her being behind it. See, and here's the thing. I... I I was duped because when we when the episode begins, we approach this planet with them under attack by what is initially thought to be an an enemy vessel, which turns out to be the colonists who have left, right? So they do that they do that flip on you where you where they sort of set it up that those are the bad guys when actually no the good guys are actually the bad kind of the bad guys or like the, not the bad guys but like the misunderstood they're not right. the sort of enemy of the episode it's right, right? the ones so that are a real danger to the kid right are the because it's presented to you as like these oh. this enemy vessel is trying to kidnap them and you're like we got to stop them and so mm-hmm. he has to make it to his ascension it sounds like oh yeah. that's what they call it when someone takes the throne they ascend to the right. throne so for so those elements of it and then even the flip and then the whole thing it felt like a star trek episode i felt like i'd seen these things before and right but not quite in this way the idea of it i have right yeah i mean it's done a little bit differently but the the sort of the the things i'm outlining i mean it's been done before granted not as you say exactly like this and i just want to remind everybody when we when i when i say this because i say this often mm. it reminds me of this episode it reminds me, i've seen this before in trek i don't mean that as a negative not what that means is strange new worlds is totally in line with what star trek storytelling is right yeah, it's doing it's, not that yeah. it's a, it's a rip off it's just right the type of story that we would see in Star Trek, and maybe we've seen things sort of similar. It's it's one of those things, like, remember I said a long time ago when we were talking about that show whose name we will not mention? I say, when you have the words Star Trek in your title, there's an expectation, there's a certain type of story 
there are certain types of stories you have to be telling. There's a certain way of doing stories. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a procedural, dilemmas, right? There are certain dilemmas, scientific anomalies, right. diplomatic missions, and the occasional fight. Right. And so strange new worlds understands that and embraces that. And, and, and I would say enthusiastically wants to do all of those things. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just, so when I say it feels like this episode and it feels like that show, like that's not me saying they're copying it. It means yes, they're copying, they're, they're doing Star Trek story. They're telling the Star Trek story in one way. I think this episode has done a Star Trek episode better than any of the other Strange New Worlds episodes so far. Yeah. Because there was that twist. It's very original series to have the, the sort of the surprise twist. Right. That changes your perspective. But I think what's also going to happen going forward, and I'm sure it'll happen, it'll be mentioned as it is relevant, but you talk about this, have talked about this, since I think even before Discovery came on, the analogy of when Edith Keeler dies, Kirk doesn't feel it next week. Mm. Right? With the emotional, as I call it, the emotional serialization throughout this show, and given the way the episode ended, I suspect that we are going to see Pike think about this again. This is going to come up again. Um, in, in, but in although his meteor people's experience didn't come up again to serve him in this situation where it may have served him a little bit right right so and i, I will say that um it's not an original thought but the whole edith keeler thing i was sort of convinced after that kurtzman wasn't thinking it through that well as someone it might have been red letter media said <laughs> nobody wants to watch wanted to watch a season of the original series where <laughs> no where right, but Kirk I, is just crying about the woman that he met <laughs> right, I'm not saying in the next four episodes Pike's going to be down in the gutter. But, yeah, yeah, you know, but no, when, I, I but when you but when you talk about the uh, the comet thing, yeah, that didn't have a sort of that didn't have a the ending was not a downer. It was like oh, it was kind of it was a realization, right? It was like oh my, you know. But then he didn't use that insight in a similar situation. Right, right. This one this one did not end on a sort of happy note. No, which, as I said, was fantastic. Yeah, and so... You can't, you can't save the day every time. And sometimes saving the day in diplomacy, sometimes saving the day, it sucks. Yeah. Like, here he did save the day, but it also sucked because he assisted in the, you know, something that's going to be terrible for a child. But then on the other hand, the child was enthusiastic about it. The child was scared. Right. But they also were willing. I also think so, that when you... Question. But I also think that when you save the day, mm. that's not an experience you grow from. Right, when you just straight up save the day. Yeah. Do you learn from success? No, you learn from failure. Right. So you can learn something from success, but yeah, failure is a better teacher. And yes. what, what is he going to learn? What would he even learn here? Other than, I don't know, what would he, what do you, he has nothing for him to learn. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. What could be the lesson? Maybe if he's faced with a similar situation, he doesn't react so aggressively next time, or like he doesn't because he was like because remember he tried to stop it at one point. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that didn't have any repercussions. No, but that's true. Yeah, he could cool it a little bit. Right. Right. I mean, because in this episode there was no time to really have that sort of ethical debate with his crew. Right. There was no sort of like that yeah. conference room scene where they say, where somebody says, I guess, I, yeah. I mean, they kept reminding you, we're not Federation planet, so we're not bound by your. Yeah. But you're right. That's a yeah. missed opportunity. Imagine yeah. if they have him on the ship. They know right. what's going to happen. And now they have to figure out what they're going to do about it. Because we learned, he learned of it in the moment. Like he, he couldn't beam back to his ship and then have a discussion, right? It, it just, right. you know, yeah. yeah so it was the way it was, the, the kid, story was constructed. The kid, they find out what's going to happen. The kid's on the ship and the Aloris is demanding, you need to send him down. He's a citizen of our planet. You cannot hold him there. We're not a Federation planet. You have no right to have that kid there. And they know that they're going to, and they have to decide, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah, because what I, yes, what I see. And they send him down anyway. What I see is like she may reveal that to Pike while they're in bed and he's 
and then the next shot, then it cuts to them in a conference room with Kirk, with Kirk, with Pike number one, Spock, and she's t- and she's telling him, she's telling them, well, this is what it is, this is you know, this is what we're doing, and how can you do that? What are you talking, you know? And then so yeah, it's it's them learning it from them yeah. in that I moment. Mean, I think, so, but well, I mean, I do think yeah. it worked well because then we wouldn't get the twist. It was right because the scene that I'm outline that I'm outlining, that's the kind of we're still kind of heading to the rising action at that point, right? This is sort of a this is kind of the yeah. the ending reveal, right? They, they, yeah, the big the big climax would be their decision. The climax, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do we yeah. beam them down, or do we violate you know Starfleet regulations and take them away? And right. maybe they even could like have like an admiral tell them like right. Pike, you need to send that kid down to the planet right now. Now, on Voyager, the reason the, how this kind of happened on Voyager was that the reason why they got involved was because the children wanted an asi- wanted were seeking an asylum. So that means, oh, we have to get involved now. They're seeking protection. Okay, yeah. So this kid never said anything. This kid never said anything. So that's so void. But the kid didn't know. The kids did not know any better, though. Because they they actually didn't know what they, what was supposed to be happening, right? So vo- that's how Voyager got involved, and so that's not something that happened here. Like if the kid asked for an asylum, maybe that would have kicked into certain laws, like it does in the U.S. If someone asked for asylum, at right? The border. Right, exactly. So yeah. Um, but I think what we're saying, like, we're not saying like because we didn't like the way they did it, right? No, we were no, just no. saying like other. We're just exploring other, other avenues they could have done it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then if we went that way, we, we would not have gotten what the, the great scene that you mentioned to me, you loved Pike's uh, action move. Yes. Yeah, he did a roll. <laughs> but no, uh, no double-fisted punch, unfortunately. Right, but he just kind of, yeah, like kind of just threw his body into a person to but, stop them. But this was also the planet that I was saying. Like, these... These are the people who have the swords. They've got the spears. Like it's a very, it's 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 a planet you would see on the original series. Oh, yes. Right. But one interesting thing is their spears do I think the same disintegration effect that Discovery uses. That's a cost thing. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I know it was so interesting. Yeah, because we haven't seen a disintegration in a while. I always find it interesting though, like in in Star Trek shows when you have a culture of aliens who are very spiritual and have a set of beliefs and yet there's still spacefaring. Oh, know? like how can, oh, so you're asking how good science and religion makes. Yeah. Like they've always managed to, I mean, you know, well, that's man- a big question. Yeah. Can the development of, does the development of advanced technology preclude the, uh, religious belief? Right. Because, you know, if you believe like a comet, for example, is, sent by some great deity surely yeah. but if you're spacefaring you can yeah. see that you know but you can take readings saw, yeah it's Pike thought well, it did bring life to that planet right right so, so maybe it, they've been so maybe they met maybe the science and the technology come together i mean it's all with religion i think it's all interpretation also yeah some people will say well evolution is it goes against God. I don't believe in it. And other people mm. will say evolution is the clearest example that God's work uh, in amazing ways. And that's how he created everything. Yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can mush things in. Yeah. I guess. What another aspect of the episode I liked is, um, which kind of reminded me a little bit of Lower Decks, Uhura is now going through security training with Leon Nuni and Singh. So it kind of reminded me of like, you know, Rutherford, like trying out the different departments, but she's yeah, actually the one. Engineering yeah. Recently. She's the one who kind of figured who, who sort of helped them figure this whole thing out, like revealing where the colonists came from. That yes, they're actually the same the people. That they tried to delete. Yes. And fig- finding out that, yeah, by doing that and finding out that, um, Pike's girlfriend was not quite telling the truth. Or, no, she was lying by omission. Right. You're leaving out some important details. 
there's a there's a great moment. It's at the beginning of the episode when Pike enters the turbo lift and Uhura's in there and they're just kinda she's, you know, injured and he's like, Are you okay? And they're having a conversation and she's saying, Oh, I'm going through what'd she say, combat training, I believe. And I he he kind of first of all, he imitates Leon Nunian Singh to perfection, which I think is really funny. But also he he sort of gives her that kind of like fatherly advice, like, let me give you a just a word of advice and kind of like it's moments like that to me that really solidify why Captain Pike in my view is so good and just why Anson Mount is so good because he's portraying a captain like that's a moment that's not a conversation between a captain and a cadet that's a conversation mm-hmm. between somebody somebody with experience and somebody who doesn't really have much yeah. experience, but there was no, there's yeah. no rank there. You know, there's no, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And that's what good leaders do. They can talk to you like a human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah. Yeah. If we saw Michael, Bur- uh, Captain Burnham, Captain Burnham would have just been rushing past the person to save the day, push them all right. away. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, Sorry, it's, snarky. <laughs> it's, but it's those, when I tell people that I'm invested in the show's characters, right? I'm invested because of scenes like that. Yes. So we have characters and they right? have personalities that are consistent. It's not always about who gets an ep- who gets to who's the main who's the main protagonist of the episode this week, who's who's carrying the episode this week. It's just it's 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 moments like that. Yes, I uh, that that's a good point. Yeah. I enjoy seeing every character, whether they're the, in the quote-unquote lead or right. or not. And honestly, the show's doing such a good job at distributing the the kind of scenes into essential parts of the story. It we have some of the ca- some of the crew is dealing with kind of the main issue, but then whoever's not with them, aside from engineering, of course, is always dealing with another aspect of the same problem. So everybody's got something to do, but it all serves the one big story. Right, right. Like the 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 stories themselves are not so unrelated that when you cut to one of the cut to another one, you're not in this. You're not saying like I had been saying before with another show. What? Why are we here? What are we doing here? Like I don't I don't want to be here right now because I want to be over here. I want to be on this story. And while like you say what this secondary story or B plot B story, even though it may not be completely related, it's still related in some way that whatever progress they make has an effect on the, like contributes to whatever the outcome is. And today, this episode was directly related because it was just another aspect of the whole investigation, which is fantastic. But I will say I'm sad that we've now gone two weeks without seeing Hemmer. Yeah, it's funny. I don't care. Oh, God, dude. I care so much. I love that guy. <laughs> Here's the thing, I guess. But, I like him fine, but I think I'm glad they're using him only where he's appropriate. Yes. Because right. I, don't, I don't know what he would have done here. It's right, because you don't just... You don't throw... like It's not like a Jet Reno situation where you just throw him in because you need somebody to say a funny line. <laughs> yeah, or because um, the, actor, the actor is available. Right. Oh, you're not available for the next eight months? Okay, cool. So we'll write you into the ninth episode because that's when you can make it here. Right. That's what it always feels like right. when we get that. It's like because I remember when Discovery tried to there was there was a point, I think it was season three where we didn't see Jet Reno for like I swear it was like seven episodes six, five, six, seven episodes, something like that. And Stamets she finally shows up in engineering and Stamets says to her I haven't seen you in weeks. Where have you been? And I'm thinking, you have a comm system on the ship, don't you? Right. Computer, locate Jet Reno. Jet Reno is on deck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What is she doing? Is she just not performing her duties? Like, where is she? I'm sure they thought maybe, like, that was funny because she hasn't been on the ship. But, like, you never saw Spock being like, Scotty, what what the fuck? Right. Because it's one of those... it's, it's, It's a joke that doesn't translate well to that world because you're like you we've seen countless times computer locate lieutenant tuvok lieutenant yeah, tuvok is yeah. on deck five right 
Yeah, it's a it's a big ship, and you know it's a good chance that if you're going about your duties, you might not see someone. Right. So it makes sense that you wouldn't see someone for a while unless you were doing something specifically together. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to bring up since we're talking about character, and I want to see what you think of this. So I mentioned that Pike is very dismissive of everybody. Yep. Out so of character. There's a moment, there's a moment when. Um, Spock is explaining the situation and he brings Pike somewhere on the ship to show him something. And uh, Pike says, I assume that's why you dragged me down here. Like, very bitchy. It's the only way I can describe it. Hmm. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And I, I, I think it might have been because at this point the walls were kind of closing in on his uh, sort of girlfriend. And maybe he was just kind of uh, getting a little agitated about it. It's the only was, explanation I can think of. Was he clouded because of he was because she was because he was with her because she was around? Maybe. But yeah, it was really like um, you know, like why are you wasting my time making me do my job? What That's is it? Strange. What is it? <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Um, what did you think of the chemistry between Pike and? Uh, Alorus. Um, I thought it was okay. I, you know, I, I would say at times maybe felt a little bit forced, but um, I still bought it. I bought that they did have a past, even though we did not see it. Mm-hmm. I did, but I, I definitely. Um, I mean, I didn't feel like there was an episode I didn't see with them. I didn't feel like there was something missing. But because I, I always think it's awkward when you when you have somebody come aboard and they're like, oh, I knew, you know, we knew each other years ago. Bef- some, yeah. Something that the viewers are not privy to. So it's kind of, you know, it's yeah, a little, they have to do it in that one first meeting scene. Right. Which I think they did very well. But the thing- you saw how Una noticed that Pike got a little uh, like spaced out when he saw her. Right. But you know what it was? You know, he, he, I'm, I'm just sort of. I'm, I'm reaching an epiphany at this point. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> your eyes may bulge out. You know what this was? You know what she was? Mm-hmm. This was an Arium death done right. This was, she was introduced. She was important. And what happened at the end was shocking. Like it worked. Oh yeah, this yeah. person and was clearly introduced. Not a member of the crew helps, right? But like this was because that scene we're talking about in the transporter room. I mean, we—that's so where they say we knew each other when I was a lieutenant, and you mm-hmm. know, that's rescued me. That's to set up the shock for the for the sort of not betrayal but reveal at the end, right? Yes, and the scene where they. She invites him into her room. Right. So she's being... And then they have pillow talk. So she's being brought in for this reason, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, because it'll, 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 hit, it'll mean more. It'll hit harder. It'll, right. But unlike Arium, this worked. Because Arium was... If you remember that episode, I mean, Arium was getting... The episode was about Arium. And even though we mm. had seen Arium many times in the, in, the, in the background in episodes leading up to it... Yeah, it was like you were trying to cram in what should have been two seasons behind her, so we feel her eventual death at the end of the episode. Right, and that was the problem because we had seen her but not known her, and right. then finally got to know her, and then, and then she's gone. Right, yeah, this was if efficient writing where it's it, we're going to introduce this character, we're going to set up this relationship, we're going to make her matter, and then we're going to flip the script on you because I think, and I think it's because she was used in ve- at very strategic points in the story. Arian was just there and didn't really because she, this this character was the kind of was the crux of the episode right Arium mm-hmm. was not the crux of the episode she was just the one who had she was just featured a lot but it wasn't an episode of, about her right? right she was just kind of set up to be the one who died but this yeah yeah it did sort of feel like oh she's gonna die again so we better tell you about her before she dies yeah because we want you to feel something oh, when she does yeah Right. Yeah. So I thought that this 
but I thought this show managed to successfully do that and get me invested in this character so that when the end did come, I was like, oh, shit. Nothing. Yes. But yes, unlike, I agree. Yeah. Unlike you, I'll just say one thing. Unlike you, yeah. though, I didn't, as like I was saying, I felt I was fooled. I didn't, I did not have any, I didn't, I didn't have any reason for suspicion. But when you point oh. out things like when they find the piece of technology, like I just, I wasn't, yeah, that's not what my head was. Yeah. Anytime anyone says, oh, you don't need to investigate this. They're involved. Yeah. Um, I just, but that I, just, but I was still duped yeah. too, because I thought she was going to be the one who was orchestrating the kidnapping. Right. You know, sort of in that classic kind of situation. But you still knew something was off. I knew something. See, was I didn't know anything was off. Uh, I was, yeah. I was duped entirely. Um, yeah, I can see it coming. Um, another <laughs> thing, I do think that their relationship, it reminded me very much of, I can't think of any specific episodes, but it seemed like Picard every once in a while would have an affair with some lady on some planet. And it would always kind of have this vibe to it, you know, like this actress even looked like it could have been one of Picard's uh, many lovemaking partners. And um, I thought he had trouble committing, though. Huh? I thought he had trouble with romance. I thought he. Oh well, yeah, right. But you know, he never stuck around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even the pillow talk scene with them laying around, I could just see Picard in like a silk robe, you know, hanging out there. Um, but here's the thing: Pike is being really loose-lipped about this future thing. Yeah. He's telling anybody who'll listen. It seems like. Right. There was no it's, reason he should have told her. It is he not supposed to tell people? Well, I don't think he's not that he's supposed to tell people. I just think that. I think it's classified. No, it's not classified. It's just. I, I thought the. I mean, you'll have to correct me here, but. It didn't seem to me like there was proper context for this to come up. It was just on his mind, and he wanted to tell her. Right. Right. But, but it, the cool thing it did do. Yeah. It also made us root for them more because what it seemed like is, oh, maybe he's just going to wheel himself over and do a couple of flashes at her and then she's going to have her doctors fix fix him up later. They're, but yeah. now he probably but, won't because of child murder. But that scene got me thinking, though, about what happens after all of that because as the menagerie ends, he goes back to Talos Four. And stays there living in that illusion like Vina does, right? Now, I have to, you know, forgive me, I'd have to do some research on this. So maybe the question I'm posing may not be the right one. But when she, because when she made that offer to say our doctors are doing incredible things. I mean, we don't know anything about Pike beyond Talos 4. Could he, but among his return to Talos 4 in the menagerie. I mean, is there any reason why there could not be canon where he actually does leave Talos for and get fixed? And we just, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And would he put the murder, would he be able to ignore the child murder to do it? I don't know that he would go back to that planet, but it just got me thinking of of right. that. Now, again, I'm saying this lightly because I, I, I can't remember if they have any lines specifically where they may say he'll remain here until he dies. Or something. I don't know. But, yeah, but yeah. you know, anything happened. Right. Um, and Mbenga's working on that technology, it seems, now. Right. Oh, right. That's the other aspect of this episode we haven't talked about yet. Mbenga's stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. I, in my notes, I just have a part that says doctor stuff. And that's all it says. I think... Here's the thing. I think what what's happening with Mabenga and his daughter I think it's a rather interesting and unique story point I just don't know how interested I am right now in just the revisiting of it right I kind of feel like okay but yeah can we just kind of I don't know fix this and, and move on yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I just that's yeah. I know what you mean, and it is one of those situations where they are kind of returning to this running story. But yeah. I have to give them credit; it's never felt super intrusive. 
No, like it happens. There's a kid her own age who's a super tech genius, or so right. he figures it out, and he's just playing with her. Well, and like they do with you were saying, like with Hemmer, like it, it's coming up as it's relevant to the story. It's not just coming up because they need to fill in some time. Like mm-hmm. the times it has come up, it makes sense. I mean, we've only really seen it twice, two, three times, something like that. But every time it comes up, it makes sense. And it's and as you say, it's not intrusive. It's relevant to the to what the plot of that week is. I was surprised that Menga yeah. is so. I don't know. I, I'm very surprised that he had, didn't have a moment of like, "Oh, my daughter is playing with a kid her own age. This is really nice." Instead, he was just like, "Get back in the stasis." I, I was a little, yeah, I was a little surprised that he wasn't surprised like in other words how did you figure this out what do you like nobody should know about this like there was none of that like because he was kind of it's a secret he's kind of hiding from the crew and like i mean and i know he's just dealing with two kids but like it's i don't know i I thought that he should have been a little bit more he didn't tell me couldn't tell anybody about it he did yeah that's true I, I, I think it's because I was just it didn't give him to lie for you. As a teacher, I'm just thinking, ooh, this is really bad. You're not supposed to tell kids to lie for you. I yeah, for me, I'm just thinking like I, I wish he had <laughs> kind of reacted a little bit more, maybe shocked, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um George Kirk did come back this week. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I like this scene. Did you actually made me laugh. Did you? Yeah, when he said, I'm uh, conflict-averse, and then he just walked away. It's like, that's the dose of George Kirk I can handle. He comes up, he says one funny thing, and he leaves. And I think oh, as you and I and as you and I have said, I mean, that's, that's really the only thing about this show that we're not, that we don't like, right? But I do like how little he's showing up. Right, well, because we you and I were getting concerned, right? Because in the first, like, three or four episodes, he was always there. And we're like, just how important is he going to be on this show? Like, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. That was a perfect dose. But when he can't, but every time he comes up on screen, I'm like, oh God. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know if this is intentional, but he also, I may have said this when we, uh, when we were talking about the very first episode, but he just reminds me of Sam Rockwell's character in Galaxy Quest. Like, he hmm. looks like him. He kind of, I feel like, plays him the same way. Yeah. And I'm thinking, are they doing this on purpose? Could be. Yeah. And I do have one quick interesting note on the First Servant's costume. Oh, I yes. I was looking at it, yes. and I was thinking, this looks really familiar for some reason. And I figured out what it was. I think it's a perfect co- cross between the original series Klingons and the original series Romulans. Because it has the colors of the Klingon uniform, the gold and the maroon. Yep. Um, but it has the sash very similar to the Klingon from the original series. It's sort of remarkable when you put the three of them together how much it looks like someone was watching the original series when they designed that. But he's not, but he's not a Klingon though, right? You're not suggesting that, right? No, not at all. I'm just thinking someone got inspiration of color scheme and design. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things you, this is probably the third or fourth time you've done that where you found something that I was, that even I didn't notice. Oh yes. Yeah. And you're always well, you, very proud. As you know, ones. The costume things I tend to notice more. You do, yes. You you totally do. Because I've always known you as a, a very, uh, you know, very good cosplayer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Although you haven't done it in a while, from what I've seen. No, I yeah. I've not, but that's okay. So I think, in conclusion, um, I, you know, when I first watched it, when I watched it the second time, I thought to myself, this might be my favorite episode of the season, but I'm kind of stepping back from that. I definitely think it's a high point of the season. Of the season. I don't think it's my favorite. Um, but 
I would even say I, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's my least favorite. But if I even if I say something is my least favorite of the season, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't like it. That would be quite a flip, though, from yeah. your most. Favorite no, no. Theory. I think. I think it's because when all was said and done, I didn't feel I felt different about this episode as I did the other ones, which that was kind of, which I think kind of manifests itself in just the ending of the episode itself. It didn't end on a kind of positive note on a note of relief it ended it was kind of a it was a bit of a downer at the end and so yeah which i think is a great agreed i want to see more of that not right. not that i want to see more of that but just you know it's nice to not always have everything wrap up very smooth right because i think that if you look at shows like the next generation voyager too often did, would they end on you know unless you're dealing with a with a two-part episode too often they would end with a kind of like positive note or a sort of you know middle of the ground note they they didn't end too often being a bit of a downer mm. right and so it's nice to see the shows do this right it's a downer and it's a downer that makes sense it's not a downer just because right i'm looking at yeah. a certain show but, and and I, yeah. like I said, I love the fact that the crew did everything right and it still wound up something bad happening, in their opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think of another Voyager episode. I mean, I won't go into the details, but the, the episode, it's called Prime Factors, and the episode ends with Janeway having to reprimand Tuvok for something that he did. But she finds out that he did it for her because... She couldn't have done it because of her principles oh. and as a Starfleet captain. And while wow. she appreciates it, she still had to kind of reprimand him for what he did. And the episode ends with her like, you can just tell, like she kind of, you know, puts her face in her hands and she sort of does this because she's, she's touched and also disappointed. She mm. ha- like she hates that she had to just do that because of what he did. But it, it's not an episode that ended, like, you know, happily, right? And I remember seeing that when it aired, and I thought, and I had the same kind of, I was like, oh, we're not ending on a happy note this week, are we, Voyager? What was it called? Prime Factors was the name of it. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Um, I just watched it the other day, actually. Um, nice. But I but I like that I can point to these existing episodes as examples, and use that as a way of saying this is why I think Strange New Worlds is working because it's reminding me, it's making me feel the same way as I, as I did from watching the other shows. Right, it's leaving me feeling the same when the episodes end a lot of the time, and that's a good thing. Right, you know, if they may, if they say something like, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have any kids, but you know, when they kind of have that joke, like this is not your father's Star Trek, I mean, <laughs> I, it doesn't mean I'm not open to new ideas, but yeah, what's wrong with I think quote unquote your father's Star Trek? This is, Strange New Worlds. I mean, is is the Star Trek that I remember, right? It's it's doing Star Trek the way I remember it being done yes one-off episodes right make you think hopefully surprise you intelligent people uh figuring things out and i think again the show just reinforces the idea that it's okay to do to do episodic right it's fine like it, it just it reinforces the idea that the the classic trek formula still works absolutely so i think things can be learned from the show right the other shows don't have to do episodic it's the little things it's the pike and uhura conversation in the turbo lift it's the banter at the dinner scene at the captain's dining room. It's it's just it's those it's those things, right? Those are the things I want to see across the other shows. Those are the things that get me invested. 
I agree. Yeah. And and I say this is I don't know if it's my favorite or but it's the most Star Trek episode that we've had so far. And I will and I will end my thought on this on what I just said by referring back to the late great film critic Gene Siskel who when he was reviewing him and Roger Ebert were reviewing Star Trek 4 The Voyage Home and even the films after that um, he had always made the observation that the best thing about this movie Star Trek 4 is just watching the characters talk with each other and gently joke with one another Mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I think Strange New Worlds excels at in that department is when they do those things that's, that's what gets me on board scene <laughs> <laughs> that gets you on board and the beaming area gets you on board <laughs> okay well that's going to do it this week for next week we're going to be discussing episode 7 titled the serene squall that is a fascinating title yes i agree squall is a sudden violent gust of wind but serene is calm so you've got a contrast yes interesting squall is also the lead character of final fantasy 8 uh, just saying. I don't see how that's relevant. No, but I just when you say squall, that's what I think. I of. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. So, very good. So we'll be back next week to have that discussion. Very much looking forward to it. So until then, friends, thank you for be listening, nice. and be nice to people. Be nice. Do good things. Mm-hmm. All right. Peace out, everybody.